and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fans around the world, we are back yet again for another edition of Run the Point. I am the Hispanic from the Atlantic, Rob, which is a lot easier to say than that, and over there we have Aaron. Aaron, good evening, sir. What's up, what's up, Rob? Big shot, Rob. (laughs) Big shot, Rob. Shout out oh, to man. I know you listen to the podcast. <laughs> so that, that guy has the most NBA championships for doing the least. Let me just say that. <laughs> uh, so we got a we got a good show for for you guys this this week. Um, we're gonna get into a lot of NBA, being that the regular season is winding down. It's just just about over, so the playoff picture is somewhat clear yet somewhat murky, which we'll get into and. Baseball season is uh, well underway, um, so we want to touch a little bit on on that a little bit later and finish up the show with a little bit of of boxing talk. Without further ado, let's get into that NBA playoff picture. Uh, So I'm going to quickly go over the the standings as they were from three hours ago. So I'm not including any any games played played today. Uh, I know there are some scenarios that can still happen to shuffle things around a bit, which Aaron will get into later once he puts me in my place. But real quick, just <laughs> the East as it stands, the East as it stands right now, we've got the eight seeded Wizards at the number one seeded Raptors, the seven seeded Heat at the second seeded Celtics, Bucks at six at Sixers at three, Pacers with the fifth seed at the four seeded Cleveland Cavaliers. And in the West, which there are still some things that can happen, despite what I may think, uh, we got the eight-seeded Wolves going at the Rockets, Thunder and Warriors, Spurs at six, Blazers at three, and Pelicans at five, and Jazz at four. So before before I get into to anything, uh, we'll, we'll talk East and then West. We'll go in that order. Uh, I just want to say, Aaron, Kyrie going down with that injury just just makes makes it makes the East just not even fun anymore. I mean, we we talked a lot about is it going to be Boston? Is it going to be Cleveland? Is it going to be Boston? Is it going to be Cleveland? Well, now they lost their you know arguably their their best player. Um, it makes makes some sense to the West, if you will. I'm sorry, the East. Oh, my apologies, the East. <laughs> so for me, I'm kind of with you. So this like basically puts a damper on everything, like. It's pretty much LeBron's, you know, barring some major meltdown from the Cavs, um, the East is pretty much there. I shouldn't say pretty much. The East is there. Um, Yeah, so the Kyrie injury just sucks. Um, It it takes away from some sort of excitement out of the East. I mean, we all basically knew it's coming down to those two teams, Um, but now it's truly only one team. Um, you know, unless for some whatever reason the baby dinosaurs up there uh, north of the border can get it together and pull off some magic run. But, um, you know, and finally, like, oh, my God, we put it together and we can do it. Um, but they haven't shown any reason to believe otherwise. Um, and so, yeah, it just sucks. But, I mean, for me, it gives it brings more positivity into next year to look to see what Boston did this year. Um, you know, basically with a lot of key injuries, key guys down and still dominated out in the East. So, um, you know, they will definitely be a force to be reckoned with next year with a full squad as long as everyone can stay healthy and come back 100. That's a good point. So while while the East may not be that competitive this year as far as the playoffs go, it does shed a lot of light into the bright future and, you know, the, the competitive future of the conference going forward. Um, of course, a lot of things can happen in the off season, but, um, you know, assuming things are relatively stable, it, it's, it's going to get pretty interesting over the next, next couple of years. Um, and I, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I, I've, I've been on record saying how much I believe in LeBron this season in particular and, and the Cavaliers, at least coming out of the, out of the East. And it looks like they now have a clear path. Unless, as you said, the, uh, <laughs> The baby dinosaurs can can somehow become unextinct and and make make some noise, which uh, which I think is uh, highly doubtful. 
I want to I want to talk about which. So assuming things stay the same, of course, which matchup I think is going to be the most intriguing in the first round. And then Aaron, of course, I want to hear your opinion as well. Uh, for me, it's 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 the the Bucks and the Sixers. I mean, of, of course, the Sixers and the whole uh, trust the trust the process mantra, and they've got a, a a very very intriguing team. I mean, Ben Simmons is a is a rookie of the year candidate, and they've got a pretty pretty solid roster. We all know about Joel Embiid and his his antics on and off the court, uh, but you can't deny that Philly's got a solid team. You know up and down from, from one to five and, and, and their, their bench included. But the Bucks, I mean, talk about a solid roster. The Greek freak, Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, John Henson, Brandon Jennings, even the young Don Maker, Chris, Chris Middleton. I mean, I can just go on and on. Jabari Parker, forget about him. I and mean, they just, they just got a, a solid roster. And when, when things are clicking and when, Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing at his best. They're, they're a hard team to beat. So, just as far as as teams that two teams that maybe people didn't think were going to make too much noise at the beginning of the season. Of course, being that the East is weak, I would have expected both these teams to make some sort of a playoff push. But you know, here we are sitting at uh, three and six. So you know, two sort of mid- middle of the pack teams. And I think this is this is a, a series that could be really really exciting with two two young teams and two two solid rosters from you know from top to bottom. What do you what do you think about what could be perhaps the most intriguing series out of out of the East? Um, so, I honestly think that I think all of them to me are going to be very intriguing. Um, I think the East is the playoffs are going to be fun to watch in that first round. Um, and that's probably about it. <clears throat> so I think probably the most intriguing, I would have to say Sixers, Bucks, but I honestly want to say, like, that Raptors-Wizards series is going to be very interesting because the Wizards are a lot better than what their record shows. And they're one of those teams that I think, you know, if they can get it together, um, they can make a run. Um you know, and and I can honestly see him upsetting Toronto. I just, for whatever reason, I don't have faith. I mean, the best thing to come out of Toronto is the champagne poppy himself, Jersey Drake. Um, <laughs> so I have, you know, as you know, as much as a Raptors fan as he is, you know, I just don't think, uh, you know, I just don't have faith in him. And so I think, I honestly think the Wizards can upset him. And give them, or give them a scare. I, I don't think that's an easy one that they can just kind of, you know, typical one versus eight, uh, write in the books and, and chalk it up. I, I agree. I, I could definitely see the Wizards upsetting the Raptors. Uh, for one, the Raptors can't seem to get out of the first round of the playoffs. And two, I, I agree with you 110% that the Wizards, when, when they're on, when they're clicking on all cylinders, they're a solid team. Uh, you know, they're, they're a very top heavy team. You know, I'm, I'm not quite sold on on their depth, but you know that 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 top heaviness of their top heavy roster situation is pretty damn good. Um, but you mentioned upset, uh, the Heat and Celtics series with the loss of Kyrie. Do you give the Heat any chance of escaping the first round? Um, it, you know, to be honest with you, no. Um, I don't, you know, I think that's another. So I honestly think all of these first round series out of the East are going to be a game, you know, six to seven game series um, kind of a deal. I, you know, I just don't see one team outside of the Cavs and Pacers. I think maybe the Pacers take one from Cleveland. Um, you know, maybe they win like a game three, you know, to kind of, you know, avoid the sweep. And, and, you know, Cavs win in five, kind of give them the gentleman sweep or, or, you know, whatever. But I think the rest of them are going to be kind of – it just depends. Like, the thing with the Sixers is the Sixers are a young team. You know, do, you know, do they have enough veteran leadership, um, you know, to lead them in the playoffs? Um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the Celtics heat, same thing. You know, Celtics are very young, very inexperienced. Um, you know, and they're down their two superstars, so it's like a bunch of rookies. Um, and, you know, the Heat have a little bit of, um, you know, veteran leadership out there with D-Wade back. 
Um, so, I mean, that series can kind of get, you know, very interesting as well. Uh, how much can he, you know, shoulder and, and weather the storm for him? And, you know, that wizards Raptors thing is kind of like his Bradley Bill and, and John Ball get going, um, you know, watch out. Um, so, I, you know, I think all of them are kind of just going to be in that same area. I so you mentioned, so so you mentioned that you, that you think Indiana may steal a game or two. Uh, the only way they steal a game or two is if LeBron takes a day off. Um, LeBron plays many positions, but uh, his position on paper is of course small forward. I just want to quickly quickly list the Indiana Pacers small forwards: um, Lance Stevenson, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Thaddeus Young. Just, uh, just put it into a little, little perspective. Not that I think that many people in the league can can stop LeBron, but that's that's who he's going to have to contend with most nights. The trio of of Lance blowing your ear, Stevenson, Bojan Bogdanovich, and Thaddeus Young. Oh, the East is uh, the, the East is not gonna it's not gonna be pretty. It's not it's not gonna be it's not gonna be as exciting as we all hoped, but. We have the West, thankfully, which is a much more competitive conference. Before we get into the West, I just want to say, uh, Aaron, we we did a, we did a, a couple of shows where we were kind of talking about playoff picture and and uh, kind of trying to foreshadow and extrapolate which which teams on the fringe would sneak in, maybe make a little bit of noise. And during those couple of shows, I consistently referenced the Utah Jazz. Not only did they sneak into the playoffs. They're the four seed, as things currently stand as of a couple hours ago. They're the four seed. So they've got first-round home-court advantage. I mean, I couldn't have been more right about the Jazz, so just patting myself on the back over here. And uh, I'll, I'll give it to you. First and foremost, which of these eight teams, assuming things stand as they are, are, are the most surprising to you? Because the West is an ultra-competitive conference in comparison to the East, of course. So I would say the most surprising – to me, um, I would honestly have to say the Timberwolves. Um, I I will say this: I am not a fan of Tom Thibodeau whatsoever. I think he's probably one of the most overrated uh, coaches in the NBA. Um, you know, the guy can yes, can he coach basketball? Yeah, but um, you know, I just think he's very outdated. But that's you know, nonetheless. So I just honestly think the T Wolves are kind of the biggest surprise um, out of all, assuming that they all still make it, because technically they haven't clinched. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe it's I believe the De- the Denver Nuggets is the team that's that's right right on their heels, if I'm not mistaken, right? So them, them and Denver have the same record. So if they both went out, uh, the T Wolves own the tiebreaker, and so the T Wolves get the nod, and Denver goes home. Um, so, well, and I think, ironically, I think tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, I honestly think tomorrow um, they actually play each other. So <laughs> it could come down to that game. Is 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 that is that really how things going to unfold? Are you serious? I honestly, so I I think that we have that very much lively possibility that tomorrow's game uh, between the Nuggets and T-Wolves will be a de facto play-in game, so to speak. I'm, I'm looking up the schedule right now, and I will give you and the rest of the world that information. That is correct. Tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Denver Nuggets at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow. Yes. Funny, it will be a de facto play-in game. De facto play-in game. Hey, just, just like March Madness tournament, you know, you get a little playoff game before the real deal, make, make things exactly. exciting. Um, so I'm gonna, so <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in the minority here apparently, and um, say that the the seven and two is gonna stand in which the Thunder will play the Warriors. Which, if that, excuse me, when that happens. This would by far not only be the most intriguing first-round matchup in the West, but 
the most intriguing first-round matchup in all of the NBA playoffs. I mean, you you need no other headline than you know, Kevin Durant leaving OKC and uh, Russ meeting him in first round of the playoffs, trying to trying to knock off the uh, defending champion Warriors. But you 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 uh, seem to think that some of these other scenarios are going to play in, and things are going to shuffle, and us fans are not going to get this dream scenario, right? Yeah, so I, I can tell you right now, that's not going to happen. Um, so, and I solely believe it's not going to happen just because I don't think the Warriors are going to beat the Jazz tonight. I honestly think the Jazz are going to win. Um, I've got the game on right now, and the Jazz are playing a lot harder, and the Dubs have kind of mailed this one in. Um, <laughs> so I think their goal is to make it out of Utah with no injuries, everyone healthy. Um, and call it a day. So, in my opinion, I just don't think it's going to happen. And I don't want to see that game in the first round solely because I want a full dub team healthy and a full, you know, OKC team healthy. And I just want them to battle it out because I think, you know, ultimately that's going to be the fair thing so it's kind of like those stats so you got Quinn Cook um, you know shout out to the Duke alum uh, going up against Russell Westbrook you know is not going to be fair Um, but you know and and I honestly think though that like the thing with OKC is this um, they're not very deep and that's what scares me about of them making a run is because they're not deep so it's kind of like those guys are going to be playing a lot of minutes in a a lot of playoff minutes, and we all know that you know PG thirteen is not the most uh, clutch guy come playoff time. You know, playoff mellow is you know non-existent. Uh, so, you know, for me, um, it's just not a matchup that is that intriguing to me, unless it's kind of like both teams, you know, fully healthy going at it. Like, let's go. Um, and so for me, I, I think that's kind of more so what I'm looking at um, from that standpoint. Well, you, you, you mentioned you mentioned Quinn Cook, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Quinn Cook is your new favorite player. Uh, Quinn Cook is my third new favorite player uh, <laughs> <laughs> currently. Uh, what's um, you you being the Bay Area representative of uh, of this show? What's fill us in on the, uh, the the timetable, or even you know even the reported timetable of uh, Steph, the chef's return? So I honestly think um, right now, if this were the NBA Finals, Steph would be playing. Um, but I think they're being extra careful with him because it's not, um, and therefore holding him out longer. And now with, uh, you know, pretty much that first round matchup being, you know, essentially, you know, not a cakewalk, but, you know, a team that they can, you know, beat without him, um, you know, now not facing two teams that they've struggled with as far as, you know, playing with, you know, an OKC or uh, Utah then, you know, I, I think it's it's pretty much a wrap. Um, you know, they'll probably wind up more than likely facing, um, you know, maybe like the Spurs or maybe I honestly think they're going to get, um, you know, the T-Wolves uh, personally. But, um, you know, I, for me it's just one of those things of if it was there, he'll be back, and now they're just saying he'll kind of be ready to go second round, uh, fully healthy, you know, ready for that final push, um, you know, which in the end is kind of like it keeps them fresh too. Um, so yeah. now those other guys, they kind of have a little bit, you know, they'll have some, a little bit more wear and tear on their legs, but now you got, you know, MVP coming back um, and, you know, fresh legs. And he's not a guy that, you know, truly needs to, you know, get reps in. So he's, been in the last couple of finals and playoffs, so he's he's already. I wouldn't exactly call those fresh legs. Those are thirty-year-old legs. 
I did not realize <laughs> Steph Curry. Did not realize Steph Curry was was in his thirties, but but the man is. Uh, his yeah. it seems like he he seems like he just came into the league three four years ago. Uh, yeah, I mean no, that's I, when he I, really started making a name for himself. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, obviously, being being sarcastic there and alluding to Steph Curry's you know uh, baby face, if you will. Um, but moving on to the last couple of series there in the West, um, Spurs going to get a little bit of old pop magic and and make it make it past Portland or what? Mm, no. So I think Dame just scares me, and no Kawhi. You know, I the Spurs will make it interesting. I think that's going to be you know a seven game series. You know, it's not easy to knock the Spurs out. I mean, I can only remember. Kobe Shaq era, they got swept. And I still think they had David Robinson, or maybe it was like David Robinson's last year, maybe his first year he was gone. I mean, and like the Lakers punished them. Um, and so ever since that series, though, I, I, you know, there's nothing easy about knocking San Antonio out um, of the playoffs. And, I don't believe in the Pelicans. I like AD, but without Boogie, um, you know, they're not. There's not too much that uh, you know they can contend with. So, I think the Pelicans are pretty much one and done. Um, you know, maybe they take a, a game from the Jazz, but um, you know, and I would say the Jazz and Thunder are probably the most intriguing teams. But I also just don't trust either of them. You know, like I like Utah, but just Utah doesn't really is. The playoffs are a completely different um, entity. And I think, you know, in basketball, having that experience matters. And so, um, you know, that to me is just truly the biggest thing. And that's why some of these teams, I just, yeah, they can play well. But, you know, that's why I don't believe in, you know, the Rockets. It's like James Harden is a great regular season player, but he is not that great come playoff time, and it's just because his game is too cute. Those calls he got in the regular season, he doesn't necessarily get in the postseason. Um, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they fare, uh, you know, this postseason as well. So, And there comes my first reference of playoff LeBron. So you just made the point about not trusting the beard in the playoffs. I certainly trust LeBron in the playoffs. Um, so, so you have you have the Jazz getting past the Pelicans. So we went from um, about a month ago the Jazz being essentially on the outside looking in to not only capturing home court advantage but making it to the second round of the playoffs. The Utah Jazz, the surprise, the Cinderella team of the 2017-2018 NBA season. How far will they go? Um, the playoffs start, uh, is, is it Saturday? Do, do I have that correct? Yes, the playoffs start Saturday. So there will be four games Saturday, four games Sunday. All right. So we will, of course, uh, discuss those games. And the next time we, we record an episode of Run the Point. But let's get into some NBA regular season award predictions. We'll go through our picks of Rookie of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, and last but not least, Most Valuable Player. We'll start with the Rookie of the Year. Aaron, please, please go first on this. I'm, I can't wait to hear what you got to say. I'm going with my boy Big Shot Ben Simmons, baby. <laughs> Big Shot Ben. All right. Big Shot Ben Simmons. Why? Hey, I, so Why? I will say this. I, I will definitely say this. I, last year, was the most crucial person of the Philadelphia 76ers. I will say this. They have since won me over. I am not a Sixers fan by any way, but I like the young team. Um, I like what they did. I don't like the way they did it. I don't think tanking for years and years to come and, you know, the way they went about doing it is not, uh, you know, to me the right way, but, you know, that's for a different conversation. But um, I like that team. I think Ben Simmons is 
an amazing young talent, and uh, I'm kind of excited to see what him and Joel B indeed can put together um, in the future. Because if those guys stay together, um, I definitely think they'll bring a championship back to Philly, and then they'll have to listen to Philly fans again. Not enough that Villanova and Philly Eagles won, so yeah. Let's not add the sixes in there. That <laughs> city would go would burn. Uh, I I I agree with with Ben Simmons winning the Rookie of the Year. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of of forwards who can who can handle the rock the way that Ben Simmons can. Uh, he's definitely got a lot of confidence. He's obviously had a had a great season. Um, but the the two two guys who I think will be right behind him should, should definitely get a little bit of a shout out from us. I mean, two great years by both. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and Jason Tatum, uh, but unfortunately Ben Simmons has just been too you know too dynamic, too productive this year for them to take the cake here. Uh, but definitely Mitchell and Tatum have had solid rookie seasons. Uh, sixth man of the year, who who is who is that going to be? I, I think this is an easy one. I'm, ho- I'm hoping we we kind of agree here. Quinn Cook coming off. The G League, no, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. It's, for me, it's, it's Lou Williams. I think Lou Williams leads the, the Clippers in points and assists coming off the bench. A, 22.6 points per game. 22.6. And I think that's amazing. But it also goes to show you the freaking Clippers suck. Like, if you're a starter on the Clippers and you got a guy coming off the bench playing less minutes than you, and like, how is he not in the starting lineup? Like, that's my thing. It's kind of like, what in the world is going on in the league? Like, the guy is averaging starter numbers and you're still just bringing him off the bench. And he's not like, you know, I can understand if he was like an Andre Iguodala, you know, a guy kind of late on in his career, past his prime. But, I mean – who else, who's he starting over? Like, who's the starting two guard on the Clippers that's getting, you know, a, a nod over freaking Lou Williams? Like, that's what I don't get or understand. Like, all the more reason Doc Rivers needs to be fired. Like, golly. Well, their other guards are Austin Rivers, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to go there, but – I'm I'm curious I'm curious to know who the last six man was to average over 20 points per game. I'm I'm sure I'm sure it's happened multiple other times in the history of the league. But yeah, for for Lou Williams to be coming off the bench, there, there's there's something wrong with the Clippers. Uh, I mean, we can sit here and and, and question Doc Rivers and and all, all of that and question the organization as a whole, but. For me, the, the six the six man award is it, it's a numbers game. You know, uh, unlike the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and other awards, that there are a lot of intangibles that come into play and how successful uh, is the team and how valuable are you to your team. For me, like as I said, the six man just just what are your numbers? And Lou Williams averaging twenty two point six points a game, uh, and you mentioned leading the, the the team in assists coming off the bench. That's that's really that's really all the information that I need. So, Lou Williams, it is. Defensive player of the year. Who has been locking it down the most in the National Basketball Association? Aaron, who you got? So, my bias pick, because I see the guy play a lot, is uh, the big man from Michigan State, uh, Draymond Green, but you know, think he's French. Is he French, Mr. Rudy Gobert? He he is French. He is French. And speaking do, do, of which, do you know? I'm sorry because it's the game is on TV, <laughs> and Draymond yeah, literally yeah, just exactly. got crossed over by Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we had we had we had the same we had we had the same idea we had the same idea but you, yeah it's 
anyway, so so you you going so uh, I want to just 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 jump in because uh, I was confused for a bit. Are you taking Draymond or are you taking Rudy? I want to say Draymond, but I'm taking Rudy solely because just Draymond got crossed on national TV, so therefore uh, you're no longer defensive player of the year. <laughs> so, so not only is Rudy Gobert French, but his nickname is the Stifle Tower. Did you know that? I did not know that uh, solely because <laughs> I do not watch Utah Jazz basketball. Um and solely because I think the entire state of Utah, well, outside of Salt Lake City, because um, that isn't, yeah, that's in um, Utah. I Man, the one, the, one, the one and only time I went to Utah, I had a hard time finding beer over like 3.5%, but we're not going to get into that. Um, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, their whole state I is weird. Every, yeah, but uh, well, maybe, maybe we'll have another podcast about stuff, about weird states and, and beer laws, but this ain't the one, bro. Uh, yeah, Rudy Gobert is my pick. Um, I think he's uh, he's missed some time during the year. I think he missed around 20, 22 or so games, uh, give or take. Uh, but when he when he's on the court, he is a presence. And uh, I think gone are the days where we can measure uh, a defensive player of the year based on ridiculous blocks per game and 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 ridiculous rebounds per game and. And things of that sort. So take take Ben Wallace for example. Take Dwight Howard in his prime for example. Uh, I, I don't see guys that are that are jumping out with defensive statistics at the point in which those two players were. Uh, so I look at much more as not only your defensive statistics; those are obviously still important. But what impact do you have on your team defense? What impact do you have on your team as a whole? And obviously, how are you limiting the, the opposing team? Uh, with Rudy Gobert on the floor, the Utah Jazz are allowing an NBA best in points per 100 possess- points per 100 possessions. So that that tells me all I need to know. I mean, he, he blocks enough shots, he gets enough rebounds, uh, he's averaging a double double. Um, but when he's on the floor, the Utah Jazz are the best in the NBA at allowing points per 100 possessions. So, Rudy Gobert, take it, bro. Coach, 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 talking about practice. Who's going to win that award? Um, so, I, there are a couple of guys who I think are deserving. Um, so, I don't know who coached the Utah Jazz, but um, that guy deserves it. Um, you know, he deserves a yeah, I think you could make a case the way he's got that team playing. Um, as always, I think you can put um, Brad Stevens. He's a guy that I absolutely love. I loved him at Butler, uh, and I've loved him since he's been in Boston. Like I just like the way he coaches. Um, you know, he coaches tough. He coaches defense. Uh, and then I don't know who coaches the 76ers, but I also think that guy – um, you know, deserves a nod too. So those would be my top three, um, you know, in no particular order. And I think if either one of them won, um, you know, I think they all, you could all make a case for, you know, all of their bids. Uh, I'm going to go with Brad Stevens. I find it very refreshing as a basketball fan of how he's gotten the Celtics to play uh, rather selfless basketball. Um, they've just got they've got a little bit of everything, you know. They got the star power in Kyrie, um, Tatum is the Rookie of the Year candidate. Uh, they got Jalen Brown, you know, second year guard, really really coming into his own. Uh, you mentioned uh, the the defensive prowess of the Celtics, and you know, up until Kyrie's injury, you know, they, they were they were in the conversation to to win the win the East and go up against you know whoever came out of the West to to take the title. So. Brad Stevens is who I'm going with. All right, let's, let's keep this let's keep this final one short, short and sweet because I, I I think we each know who the other is going to pick. Uh, most valuable player. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, one word: LeBron. Go ahead. The beard. <laughs> <laughs> we, we pretty much have been talking about MVP the last two or three shows. Uh, you know, just, just a little bit of tidbit. I mean, LeBron's. Uh, impact on, on on the game, everything he does that doesn't show up in the in the scoreboard and 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 the stat sheet, and how he has 
pretty much an, an entire he, he received a pretty much an entire new roster before the trade deadline and that obviously Cleveland isn't one of the top three seeds are currently sitting at four, but I just, I've just always appreciated what LeBron does for the, for the players around him. And when he, when he can turn it on, he's, he's the best in the game. And uh, the other side, you got the beard. The beard is just a scoring machine. So I can see, I can see either one winning, but I, I think, I think LeBron more, more so due to his impact on the team. And if, if I were to agree with you about, about the beard, it would be just pure score in the league at the time. I don't think there's any questions about that. This, this guy just is creative on the floor. He just gets buckets. Anything you want to say about the beard? His game speaks for itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So uh, let's let's get away from from basketball for a moment. Um, the baseball season is a bit too young to really give in-depth analysis, but I'm sitting here watching the Yankees lose to the Red Sox 14 to one. Uh, we'll edit that out. Hopefully when, uh, when I, when I go back and run this a second time, but that's what's happening at the moment. Uh, but I want to, I want to bring up an example of a player and then Aaron and myself will give our opinion on, on the topic that I will explain in a moment. So the Yankees prize free agent addition, Giancarlo Stanton, the reigning National League MVP who also led all of Major League Baseball and home runs last year uh, set a horrible record. He's, he's gotten up to a horrible start, but he set a horrible record in which he is the first player in baseball history to have no hits and five strikeouts in two separate games in the same season. And the season just started like a week and a half ago. So there's still another like 150-something games to play. And he, he already set that that ridiculously negative record. Um, so, Aaron, I want you to shed a little bit of light on not necessarily Giancarlo Stanton, but we can you can touch on baseball, basketball, football. When we talk about players changing teams, changing leagues, changing stadiums, environments, uh, how how much are you giving them some slack because of that? Because of those changes, how much are you sitting back saying, Nah, bro, you're a professional athlete. I, I don't care who's throwing you the ball. I don't care who's I don't care who's passing you the rock on the court. You just got to perform. Where do you stand with that? So I think it's different depending upon each sport. Um, So I guess I'll go down the three majors and just kind of say my thoughts on each. So for baseball, I think baseball is probably one of the most individual sports out there outside of golf um, or maybe tennis that I'm just kind of like, Bro, like it doesn't really matter. You're not playing a new position. This is not on the defensive end um, that these struggles are coming. It's coming at the plate when it's you and the pitcher. That's it. Like you and another guy. So okay, maybe you can say, well, he's changed leagues and you know it's he's seen different pitchers. To where it's like, I don't care when you're in the major league, like. You know, he was also in the National League facing up, you know, against the Cubs pitching staff, uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw. So it's kind of like you're going to face good pitchers every, you know, everywhere you are. So, um, you know, and, you know, I'm pretty sure he's faced some of these guys, you know, during interleague play and stuff like that. So I, for me, I, he doesn't get a pass. Um, in football, I give, you know, I can give certain guys a pass just depending upon things um, just because, Teams don't always, you know, that player may not fit what that team does well, right? I mean, I think that problems that the NFL typically has is, you know, they'll bring in a a quarterback that ran a, a spread offense and then try to make him a three-step drop guy. Uh, you know, prime example, you look at, like, you know, Russell Wilson or uh, the guy out of um, Louisville that's coming into the league to where it's kind of like, you know, these guys don't run the standard Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, Aaron Rodgers style um, offenses, you know, they're more spread out, you know, one or two quick reads if not, um, then you either play in backyard football or, you know, they're running, taking off and running. Um, and so they, those guys, I can kind of give them a pass. Uh, basketball, kind of the same, um, you know, kind of depending upon the team. So you could go from a really good team. Um, and then go to a really bad team and, you know, put up terrible numbers and you're just on a crappy team. Um, so I think 
baseball is just that one sport to me to where it's just kind of like, dude, it's a very much individualized sport. So therefore, to me, I don't really understand how um, you're so great and now you're struggling so bad. Um, and that's just kind of my take on it. A lot of good points. I'll kind of I'll kind of do the same for myself. I run through each of the three major sports and, and give give my give my uh, spiel. Um, so with with baseball, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, however, it is the, it is the one sport where you're playing against a team in a series. So of course, when you're playing football, you just have one game a week. You might play. You know, if it's a divisional opponent, you're playing twice. Otherwise, that just one game. Uh, basketball, you know, you're not playing. Uh, the same team back to back, although I believe that does happen on, on some occasions. Uh, but you, you know, you play your your division, your conference more than more than the the contrary. But still, you're not playing teams in a series during the regular season. Baseball, while it is highly individualized, it is one sport where you are doing just that, playing a series. So as a hitter, you're seeing the same pitchers so often year in year out. And for a guy like John Carlos Stanton, he was on the Marlins for so many years, and he saw a lot of the same pitchers, and I'm sure there was a high comfort level. Um, but I'm not giving him a pass, despite where you thought that my thought process may have been going, because you know I can get into into the nitty gritty about uh, different pitchers. So um, I grew up playing baseball, and, and you know, I can attest that if you have ten different pitchers, throw you throw you a fastball. Each fastball is going to have a different velocity. Subtleties in movement, uh, you know, it might it might rise and might sink, so forth and so on. Different different pitchers have different pitches. Um, weather is also a factor in how the baseball moves and so forth and so on. But you know, at the end of the day, you're the defending National League MVP. Fans expect more from you, and I, I, I it's it's frustrating as a fan. I'm not. I'm going to try not to get in. To it from a personal level, me being a Yankee fan, but it is what it is. As far as football goes, I'm just going to kind of feed off of what you were saying, where players, especially nowadays, much more so than 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, I mean, players really have to fit offensive schemes and offensive systems. Um, players really have to have to get in tune with, with the quarterback, obviously. Um, guys that work in New England – that won't necessarily work in Chicago. Uh, is, is it a run-heavy offense? Is it a pass-heavy offense? How are they going to spread? So forth and so on. Um, but I, I feel like teams definitely try and, and bring in players who fit their system, but doesn't always work out that way. As far as basketball goes, that that's, that's the one sport where I don't care. <laughs> you mentioned baseball being highly individualized. When you – when you're when you're balling, man, you got the you got the the rock in your hands. I don't care who's to the left, who's to the right. You just gotta you just gotta score. You just gotta get to the basket. You you have to play your role. So, basketball is the one sport for me where no matter what player changes teams, changes divisions, conferences, what have you, it's obviously only played indoors in the NBA. So you you don't have to worry about about indoors versus outdoors, night versus day. None of that matters. It's a very very controlled environment. So basketball is the one sport where I expect players to maintain their level of performance regardless of the of the situation. I agree. You want to talk a little bit about boxing? We we got we have to kind of, we have to keep things interesting here, man. We can't we can't just go baseball, <laughs> basketball, football for every single Tuesday for 52 weeks, man. We got we touched a little bit on golf last time, and then we got. Oh my goodness. So I, I this this uh boxing consultant has, has yet to to uh ring into to this episode, but while we await his arrival, um I wanna give a little bit of a of my, my personal Sentiment towards the current state of boxing. Um, I will admit, I'm not I'm not that much of a boxing fan, um, but I have it has always been intriguing to me over the years. Where, in my opinion, boxing has kind of lost its lust a little bit. I think back about boxers such as Muhammad Ali, uh, Frazier, George Foreman, 
even more recently as Manny Pacquiao, you know, can reference Roberto Duran. Uh, I can come up with a whole, whole bunch of others um, years and years ago. But I just feel like the interest in boxing is a lot less currently. Uh, I, I do feel like MMA has kind of taken taken away from a lot of the allure of boxing. Um, but I don't know. But we are now gonna gonna welcome our uh, boxing consultant. So. Aaron, why don't you introduce this this young man? I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him come in and introduce him, him. Introduce himself, but it's the the young man Austin. He is the resident boxing consultant for Run the Point. Well, Austin, why don't you uh, chime in and let the people know who you are and and you know some of what you rep? Okay. All right. How's everybody doing this evening? What's up, yeah, what's up man? man? All right, all right. So, uh, yeah, my name is Austin Draper. So, basically, I'm, you know, I'm a big follower of boxing. You know, I've been following boxing for, for some time now, some years and everything. And uh, basically what I want to do is just get it right back out there, uh, regain this popularity uh, that it used to have. And uh, that's what I'm just trying to do, especially uh, using the run the point, you know, just get it out there. So uh, what, what, what kind of questions y'all got for me so I can go ahead and spread some news for you guys? Okay. Okay. So first off, why don't you kind of give us a, uh, you know, a quick rundown on, uh, you know, everything that happened between that, uh, that you know, Triple G and, and Canelo cancellation, you know, plus, you know, potential opponents, you know, what's kind of what's at stake or, or what might happen is the fight still going to happen, you know, on uh, Cinco de Mayo or kind of, you know, what's the word on the street? So, so basically, uh, as everybody knows, Canelo Alvarez failed two consecutive drug tests, uh, testing positive for clenbuterol, uh, and um, basically he uh, announced that he would withdraw from the fight on Cinco de Mayo with uh, Gennady Golovkin. Uh, that was going to be a huge fight, huge fight, one of the biggest fights uh, in boxing history. You know, this is uh, part two uh, because last year, back in September, they came to a conclusion of a draw due to some questionable judgment by one of the judges and everything. So now, you know, they want to settle everything. But unfortunately, Mr. Alvarez failed his drug test. So basically what uh, Gennady Golovkin's camp, what they're going to do, they're going to go ahead and move forward and uh, seek out some potential opponents. Uh, Recently, he wanted to fight a young fighter, an unknown fighter named uh, Jamie Mungua out of uh, Mexico, young guy, undefeated. But he's not known. Uh, he has a good record, yes, but he's he's not known amongst the boxing community. Never been in a in a big fight. So basically, the uh, Nevada Athletic Commission denied that. They denied that request by Genetic Golovkin, and now he's moving forward. And what happened next was another fighter, undefeated fighter, uh, Vanessa Mater- Mater- Materson, uh, the. The alphabet committee basically denied that one. They denied that request. So right now the front runner would be Gary Spike O'Sullivan out of Ireland. He's a well-known fighter. He had a couple big fights, but unfortunately he wasn't uh, wasn't able to win those fights. And that's what we're looking at possibly for Cinco de Mayo. Now, unfortunately, the fight has been moved from HBO pay-per-view to your normal regular HBO, which is unfortunate. It's a big. It was going to be a big money fight, but right now it's just looking at a typical fight. Gennady needs something to keep himself going. You know, want to stay consistent. Okay, so that's where we're at with that. So, so tell me. So I've I've been hearing. I'm not a. I'm, I'm not deep in the boxing game, man. So I, you know, I kind of just catch you know some of the mainstream stuff, some of the bigger name guys. Um, but one thing I do know. Uh, you know, tell me about this, you know, potential Wilder-Joshua matchup, uh, you know, some of, you know, because they're both, what, they're both heavyweights, right? Or they both fight in that yes. heavyweight class? Okay. Yes. So, basically, you know, you got Deontay Wilder. He's currently the um, heavyweight WBC champion. And Anthony Joshua, he's currently holding three of the other titles. They, they want to fight each other. Mainly it's been Wilder who's been issuing that challenge for about a couple of years now, but everybody feels as if that within the box community, as we say, that Anthony Joshua has been ducking Wilder. His promoter, Eddie Hearn, has been throwing out these, like, unbelievable contracts, you know, something that 
it's unreasonable for a fighter of Deontay Wilder's caliber to to accept. Now, there's been there's been a contract thrown out there, uh, the uh, Monster Rumor Mill, that they want to do a sixty forty split for an upcoming match out of a hundred million dollar purse. You know, that's a big fight. I mean, that's a big purse for the fight. It's huge yeah. for heavyweights, especially this caliber of a fight. You got to think about it. Both of these fighters are holding all the titles. You know, this is all the marbles all up for state. So, out of a hundred million dollar purse. Eddie Hearn and Joshua are offering $12.5 million to Deontay Wilder, saying, hey, this is what we're going to offer you. Are you going to take that? To me, that's a slap in the face. You know, I'm one of the best. I'm considered the best, and you want to lowball me? So we are fearing that Anthony Joshua is just doing this so he can duck Deontay Wilder and possibly fight somebody else within the heavyweight community. Now, what, what the other rumor is that there will be a two-fight, you know, match between the two of them. One is going to take place in the U.K., which is Anthony Joshua's homeland. You know, he that's where he's from. That's where he wants to be. That's where he feels comfortable at. That's what he wants to do. Wilder says, basically, I'll fight you anywhere. I don't care. I just want to fight. I want the belts. I don't care about the money. But Joshua's camp is basically saying, oh, it's about the money. We know it's about the money. No, it's about the belts. He wants to be the undisputed five heavyweight champion of the world. I don't blame him. Now, unfortunately, as we all, as you said, boxing is not that big in the state that it used to be. It's huge in the U.K. Anthony Joshua fights are pulling in like 80-plus. Now, that's big. That's Jeez. huge. <laughs> yeah. That's big money. Yeah, but but you got to understand, the UK is a is a smaller country, bigger market, so it's easier to have eyes on this guy. You know, he's he's one of the top sports figures in the country. So it's 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 a given. It's a given towards him here in the states. What you looking at? What thirty thousand, twenty thousand in in a fight? So that's what we're looking at. So that is the potential. That's the that's the rumor that's out there. Hopefully we'll we'll see something come together. Wilder's probably going to accept the contract, and we're looking for a knockout win for Deontay Wilder. Okay, you made a good okay. point. You made a good point about prediction it. in. <laughs> there you have it. Go ahead, Ron. I, I was I was just gonna gonna comment about a point you made where uh, your comparison between the UK and, and, and the US, you know, smaller country, bigger boxing market over there, and, and the, the difference in, in the in the purses. Uh, oftentimes, as a sports fan, uh, I'm so accustomed to to easy access to four main sports, you know, baseball, basketball, football, hockey, and everyone's so passionate about certain sports. And, and when you go to the UK or other places in Europe or even South America, Central America, uh, you, you don't have all these options. It's 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 soccer right. and only soccer, or or, or it's soccer and rugby, or it's it's soccer and boxing, and and the whole country is is behind the fighters. The whole country is behind a soccer club. The whole country is behind a a, a rugby club. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a, right. it's a whole different culture. It's a whole different culture, and you know, it'd be great for for sports fans in the U.S. to have more exposure and just just more more knowledge about that. Yeah. So so I can say this. Um, a couple years ago, I went to go see Gennady Golovkin fight Kell Brook uh, at the O2 Arena in London, and the atmosphere amongst all the British people and everything was amazing. You know, it was the, you know, I'm still lost for words on that experience. And then I come to a fight here in the states; it's totally different, totally different. Mm-hmm. It's more relaxed. Yes, fans are going to get into it, but those British fans are going to rally behind their fighter whether he wins or lose. And when he loses, and if he's losing, they're still going to rally behind that guy. But like I said, the U.K. is a smaller country. They have more eyes on their on their fighter. So there's going to be a big support no matter what. Here in the United States, as you see, as big as we are, it's so many different fighters. You can't keep up as it is. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. So we've got. Hey, I, I got, got a, a question for you, real quick. I, I got one question for you. I, I know you say okay. you went to a fight, and I'm not trying to, you know, dig into your pockets or anything. But like, 
what or maybe you can just you know throw out a ballpark number like prime example for like the uh, you know the the triple G and Canelo fight. What what does a fight like that run? You know, like what does a ticket to that event, you know, really run? Kind of you know the you know the an average person, you know, average person. Uh, so I will say this: um, if you catch wind that a fight has been announced, you want to jump on the tickets right away. Because the earlier, the better, the cheaper they are. Uh, when I went to go to the Gennady Golovkin versus Kelberg fight, I spent um, for a regular, for a normal ticket at a good section. I spent about it was six hundred dollars just for that ticket. And you got to understand, this is Gennady Golovkin versus Kelberg. Kelberg is used to be a champion. He's still a well-known fighter. So imagine the ticket price between Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. Now, we, it, it could be more, way more. So, yes, ticket prices are, are expensive, and that's why the purses are so huge, as opposed to, like, UFC. You know, the purse is not that huge. I mean, the biggest payout that we've seen for UFC is, what, two, three, five million at least, you know, from, yeah. from what I've heard. I mean, you got the likes of Floyd Mayweather, who's pulling in, what, Two hundred, three hundred million for a fight. So imagine the ticket prices for those. You know the the gate is is crazy. So my recommendation, if you ever want to go see a fight, you know of that magnitude, do not hesitate. Don't sit there and say, "Oh, I want to wait." No, buy that ticket. Now I've been to lesser fights. Tickets are you know twenty five dollars, thirty dollars. You know they're reasonable prices. So. It depends. It's more how big of a fight is going to be, the more expensive it will be. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Thanks for dropping up knowledge, Rob. What do we got on time? So we got a we got a minute and a half left, ninety seconds, if you will. You mentioned the six hundred bucks, Austin. Man, I would think twice about spending that for a Super Bowl. But it, <laughs> it, you know, I, de- I definitely understand the allure of these these prime time fights. But in the last last minute and a half or so, um, you originally mentioned wanted to to regain the popularity of boxing in the US. What are, what are what are a couple couple things that you think need to happen for boxing to regain the popularity that it had say in the in the 70s, 80s, 90s? Well, you know, back then in the 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, boxing was on primetime television and they're they're slowly trying to get back to that. Uh, right now, you know, you got the the top ranks and the uh, Golden Boy Productions. They're they're fighting primarily on ESPN. Uh, uh, Premier Boxing Champions, led by Al Al Heyman, they're on CBS or Showtime. They're dominating Showtime right now. So, but you know, nowadays with the digital age and everything, the technology, it's easy to gain subscriptions to these channels, primarily Showtime and HBO, because it's easy to get to. So. Most of the big fights are going to be headlined on HBO Showtime. Then you're going to have the ESPN, which you're going to see those those fights. There's going to be some big fights. Uh, we got an upcoming fight on ESPN. You got Jeff Horn versus uh, Terrence Crawford. This is going to be a great fight, amazing fight. Uh, Terrence Crawford is moving up from junior welterweight up to welterweight, the face the champion, the WBO champion, uh, welterweight champion Jeff Horn from Australia. So it's going to be a great fight. I'm looking forward to it. So just look out for it. Look on the networks. Um, mainly you can you can find them streaming online. And then that's how you're going to gain that notice and find out what's going on in the boxing world. So so a lot of it comes down to, to accessibility to, to these matches. And, yes. and, and the, mm-hmm. the, difference, the difference in accessibility nowadays versus you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yep, that's true. Mm-hmm. All right, makes a lot of sense. All right, we are we are out of time. Thanks, Austin, for talking a little bit of boxing with us. We're we're uh, gonna come come back to Aaron. We're gonna do another show later this week. Are we gonna we're gonna double down this week? Okay, yeah, we can I'm try and double down. We'll, we'll figure something out. We'll, yeah. All right, All right so I appreciate Austin. Yes, sir. Thanks again. And just like that, we're out. Peace.